Welcome again to another episode of Ryan Annoys People. I am Ryan. I am joined again by another a returning guest to the podcast, Camille from Broadmoor. Camille, welcome to the podcast once again. And um, it's great to be back. Great to be back on the podcast with you. More importantly, we're talking about one of your favorite things, Tulane baseball. Uh, they just started a um, the season, the uh, the AAC portion of the schedule, and they'll be in action this this weekend against South Florida at at Turchin Stadium, um, a three game set starting on Friday. So that being said, so far in this season, what what's been the good and what's been the bad and and indifferent for for the Green Wave. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure went to to be here and talk about some of my favorite things. So thank you. Um, so some of the good, you know, this baseball in general, I think is just funny sport that, you know, that because the season's so long, it can go up and down, you know, you can have really great weekends, really great games. Like we took the, you know, one, two out of three against the defending champions, Mississippi state, earlier on in the season, the beginning of March, but then the very next weekend we were <laughs> swept by the University of Evansville who came into that weekend, I think three and 10 or three and eight. It's mm. so, you know, you, you wonder, you know, was the previous weekend a fluke? Is this weekend just, are we just off this weekend? You know, so baseball is just, so, I love it. It drives me crazy, but that's, it's, the good thing is it's a long season. So you do have time to kind of recover. Um, but so far I can't say that I'm too displeased. I'll, you know, there are some, some weekends, um, like I want to say it was a couple weekends ago, our last home series weekend home series against Dayton that just kind of went up and down, you know, there was, it was like, they were trying like they, you obviously want to win, but you know, it felt like they just may not have been trying hard enough or, you know, frustrated, you know, enough that just couldn't get it together. Um, you know, so we're getting there. We did, um, open our conference play last weekend in Memphis, um, which we won, we swept that series. So that's always fun. Um, and always a good thing. Um, tonight there at Southern, um, I'm not able to watch the game. It's not on the good old ESPN plus, but I've been keeping track of the score. Um, and as of their Twitter, their tweets about two minutes ago, we're winning 19 to one. So, uh, that's always, I, that's always good. It you is. Know, that's, that's, that's always good. Uh, I know for a fact growing up Memphis, never Memphis, never for some reason could never Memphis never beat Tulane when I was growing up. Memphis never could beat Tulane in baseball. Basketball, yeah, football sometimes, but never in baseball. Say, some schools just have your number. Like UNO, especially when we play out at UNO, out on the lakefront. I don't know if it's the, you know, where the field is so close to the lake. You know, UNO has had our number for so long, you know, that of course I want us to win, but it's also, you know, oh, you know, we're playing UNO again, or, you know, it's that time again. So we played them away already. Um, and then I was 
trying to look at the schedule to see when we play them next. Um, or, we, or we're actually at them again next week. So um, we'll play them again and then play them at home. But it's always, that's a fun series though. You know, even, even if it doesn't always go our way, I like the in-state games and um, really miss like the Winn-Dixie Cup, <laughs> which I was talking about with some other people recently. Um, yeah, you know, some old clips of it. Like they used to have it at the Superdome. And yeah, then they, so they ended up to uh, out there in Metairie. It was so for a long time growing up. Um, the 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 series against LSU was always you know we'd play a game there. They would play a game again you know at our stadium at you know Old Turchin. And then we'd have a neutral site, you know, usually either at the Superdome, which I've been to those games, or um, also at the old Zephyr Stadium, Shrine on Airline, whatever you want to call it, where the NOLA Gold Rugby play now. And those were all, that was always just fun, um, a fun way, you know, fun games to go to. Again, you know, didn't always win, but um, we had really solid teams when I was like in you know, middle school, high school, it was always fun. We played really well. Um, now it's always, you know, for Tulane fans, you know, kind of, you know, as long as we beat LSU, you know, it's, we're fine. So that was the bar, the bar was, you know, that was kind of where, where at least my bar was, you know, we'd be like, as long as the Saints beat the Falcons, my season's fine, you know, but um, we went, so now the, the deal is we hadn't played LSU for a few seasons, um, but we've, you know, brought that back, but I think, but this year we played up in Baton Rouge next year, we're going to play again in one game in Baton Rouge. Um, and then it might come back down here. Um, I know they were LSU is, um, maybe hesitant or not as excited or willing to bring back the, the two seat games a season, um, as we were. Uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that I, 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 always wondered because I'd never seen old pictures of Turchin. I think I seen like an old clip. But what was what was Turchin was where the uh where the new where the stadium is now, right? They they've always played baseball at that spot. Correct. It really just got kind of like a massive like facelift, if you will. Um there's a lot of elements of it that are still, you know, that are still there, I guess. Um like, I mean, I'll say that old parking, the, where the parking lot is now was the mar stu married student dorms. And that that was obviously torn down long ago um, and the parking got put in there. Um, but the stadium kind of, stadium feel, you know, feels a lot like it used to. I mean, obviously, you know, it's new, it feels newer, you know, looks newer, but you know, the elements are still there that it, of what it once was. Yeah, because like I, all I know is like I I knew about uh they had talked about um the old Tulane Diamond that was there and they said it was like a hundred feet south of the current location of where the uh, of where the stadium is now and it was like a hundred feet south so I wouldn't know which 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 way was south I'm guessing south would be going towards the river right. Yeah. Uh, north and it, well it's hard because the river bends so but north and south would kind of run along the river if you will um but yeah i think it would like follow the river you know heading more so, towards uh like metairie type area 
I'm guessing. So I'm guessing where the old stadium, the the two lane diamond or whatever they call it. Um, I'm guessing it was like right. I'm guessing right where they have the football practice field at. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's honestly been so long. I can't. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny. Um, just prop. You know, as the as things change, you know, just kind of forget. But yeah. Right around there, though, I would. It's all very close, you know, packed in now. So that's probably a good bet. And and I think, and you know, and I think that's the thing that um, that I, I think that I find just interesting, just just fascinating. That people really love Tulane base. I mean, people love base college baseball here in the, in Louisiana, especially in New Orleans. And you know, it's it's like you think about you know, this city lost the baby case. And I had a conversation with somebody at, because you know I announced uh, games on Sunday at uh, Larry Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I said was, I think if they had put the stadium in New Orleans, I think the team, the baby case, I don't think would have left New Orleans. A lot of people who live in Orleans Parish aren't going to go to Metairie to watch baseball. And people who live in Jefferson Parish, they'll go. They'll go to Orleans Parish to watch baseball, but I think they did not think this through in terms of how to market this team to the city. And I think they just. I think the I think the baby cake thought well, a name change will market it to the city. Yeah, but apart from that you have to be in the city. You have to go out in the community, not just in Metairie. And I think it always felt like it was a Metairie thing with, with the baby case. Yeah, I agree. Because um, I definitely enjoy college baseball, you know, professional baseball when I'm, you know, I'm able to, when I'm traveling. But yeah, it it's a hard sell, um, you know, to ask people to drive out there, you know, and I'm not saying that Jefferson Parish or surrounding parishes shouldn't get, you know, any kind of piece of the pie, if you will, in terms of, you know, bringing people in and, you know, getting money, but that's just, that's, that's a hard, that's a big, hard ask. And that stadium from what I remember was just what I felt, you know, maybe that's normal for minor league baseball, but it just felt so big, you know, for, you know, the number of people it was bringing out there. Like I never saw it fall, you know, even close, even, you know, at one point that we were the Astros farm team and got some pretty big players that, you know, were coming off the DL that needed to, you know, rehab, warm back up before going back up to the majors. And we'd get some of these big name players, you know, from the Astros coming through town that, you know, you could see on any given night, but it just, that was, that was a hard, I can see how it was definitely a hard sell. I mean, I, I think I'd only ever go out there if it was, you know, friends asking, you know, oh, this is just something to do tonight, you know. I think I I, I think you're 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 absolutely right because I think when you look at um at at at, at, at with me, I grew up in a city that had a ballpark right in downtown Memphis, and then at first it was at it was at first it was at the fairgrounds and. I could go like the fairgrounds isn't like Metairie. The fairgrounds is in the middle of the city, mm. and and 
we and I remember going to a lot of games. I played in the stadium. My friend Brandon Scott threw out the first pitch at the very first Memphis Redbirds game. It was against the Colorado Springs Sky Sox wow. on April 16, 1998. He threw out the first pitch. He ended up uh, being in the Cooper Young Lamplighter. Um, and I, for some reason, for some reason, um, Baseball, minor league baseball, for some reason, worked in Memphis. It just never worked in New Orleans. And, you know, because there are so much stuff for people to do here that minor, baseball is like the last thing, like the thing, it's like a low priority thing if you live in this city. Uh, that Not to say that New Orleans is a bad baseball town, because I think it's a great baseball city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think the thing that got Memphis was Memphis had a downtown where you, you had a downtown where you could build a ballpark. You had areas where you could build a, a, a ballpark at downtown, whereas you don't really have it in New Orleans. And I remember saying the only place you could build a new ballpark at was the area around Laola, Julia. Rampart, O'Key, and they put condos there. Yeah. It's called a fucking barn. It's called a bathroom. Yeah. So, right. It, 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 it was like, it was like those things kind of hampered, uh, hampered the baby cakes in, in, in being there and in, in being here in New Orleans. And, you know, it is what it is. But that being said, that being said, um, looking at Tulane, uh, Tulane, I know they are projected to be in the field of 64, but this is, uh, this is Trent Jewett's fourth year as the head coach at Tulane, at the fourth or fifth year as the head coach at Tulane. Tulane has not been to the NCAA tournament since 2016, since that, that amazing run that they had in, in the, in the Oxford regional when Jake Rogers hit the home run, uh, against the Rebels. Mm-hmm. Is there is there any kind of pressure on Trent Jewett to get at least to a regional from the Tulane fans? Absolutely. Um, you know, just like with I think any sport, you know, especially now, like you said, have been there, you know, for at least a few years, you know, kind of lighting the fire underneath them. I mean, uh, we were we under. David Pierce. I think we had coach David, David Pierce coaching us for two seasons and, you know, mate. And in that time is when we had that, you know, really great run at the Oxford regional, you know, um, and we won our conference tournament. So um, definitely for sure. um, Kind of waiting and expecting, you know, something, I mean, look at basketball this year, you know, under Ron Hunter, you know, that was the complete shock of this, you know, this, the season of the year to do, you know, as well as we did, you know, um, but Travis Jewett definitely because baseball's, you know, always been something we've done well enough, you know, to make it, you know, to a regional, to a super regional, you know, again, this is from when I was growing up, but, you know, baseball was always kind of the, the sport that, you know, the, the major, you know, like basketball, football, baseball, you know, 
it was a sport that has always just done, you know, pretty well, you know, and maybe one or two slump years, but for the most part, you know, it's performed and, um, you know, that's why we want, you know, we, that, that, why, what are we paying for, you know, like any, anything, what are we paying to see, you know, what are we, you know, why are we keeping him around then if it's just going to be okay, you know, performance. Um, it was very, it was kind of odd. It was his, his contract was up for renewal last year and it, you know, there was no talk of, you know, well, yes, he's definitely going to be resigned or no, we're looking elsewhere. And there was no announcement really that his contract had been renewed at all. It was the first day of, you know, practice in the summer, the fall, I guess, you know, or late summer, he showed up to the first day of practice in a tuxedo suit. <laughs> so that was kind of the, oh, okay, he's back, you know, for another season. So he's, he's not my favorite baseball coach that we've had, but, you know, if he can get us, get us someplace, build this program back to getting us to regionals, super regionals or back to Omaha, which that's been even longer since we've been there. Um, then, you know, I'll, I, I can, I can handle him being around for a while, but for sure we, we want to see something happen. I, I think the thing is, I think that that 2020 season, Tulane had a 15 and two start and then the season just gets canceled because of the pandemic. And I think if that doesn't happen, do you think they would have made it to a, a regional? Absolutely. Um, that's what I tell people all the time is, you know, 2020, I think was going to be our year, you know, to do something great. Um, 2020 was the first year that, uh, the first season that in a long, long, long time that we didn't, my family didn't have season tickets for a variety of reasons. We got rid of them. Um, but we would, you know, said we buy tickets, you know, as we wanted to go, um, and it was actually, they had won, they hadn't lost a game yet. And then some friends decided we would go to a midweek game. And I remember it was freezing cold and we started, you know, we, we were playing so poorly and uh, that I, I left in the middle. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here in the wind and the cold, you know, watching us lose like this. This is not, this is not my idea of fun, but, and then of course, week or so later, seasons get canceled, everything's put on hiatus, but I really do, 2020, I think would have been our year, you know, to definitely to a regional, maybe, you know, maybe even host a regional, you know, make it to a super regional, who knows beyond that, but that was, that was, a, like, that was a special squad right there. I think you look at a lot of things that happened during that, that season not just in baseball, but like, for example, with Tulane, with uh, Dayton basketball. Dayton basketball had their best season ever. And they were like, they were going to be a number one seed at least. And mm -hmm. the thing about it, the thing about it is that that year, it, like, I, everything from that, from March 2020, I don't remember. I, I don't remember too much of it. So I have to like piece together everything. Like even now I have to piece things together. Yeah. From time because I don't like talk, I don't like, I don't remember anything. All I remember is an empty canal street 
on a Sunday, on a beautiful Sunday, um, two years ago. And I remember walking out of Shake Shack with food and walking out onto Canal and not seeing anybody. I see a few people on bikes and that was about it. There's no, there's no tourists, there's no trucks, there's no cars, there's nothing. And that was something that, that was something that completely broke me. It broke me mentally and it, it broke me mentally to the point where I, I, and I always talk about this all the time. Uh, I talk about this all the time. It, it broke me to the point where I'm like, is this, this is really happening. This is like somebody just flipped the switch and told everyone to go home. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, and I think that's the same thing that happened with Tulane baseball. Like nobody knew what would have happened. Uh, what would have happened with Tulane baseball if, um, um, if um, the pandemic doesn't happen. Um, a lot of things that didn't, that we got taken away, that got cheated or, or that we got cheated out of. I don't, you know, like it, it's just a lot. And it's hard, it hurt, it still hurts. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to think about, well, what if, you know, at this point, you know, two years later, because we're not getting that time back, but you're right. It just, it hurts. And, you know, like the, you know, I know all those kids got, you know, an extra year of eligibility, but just that magic was gone, you know, like for, you know, Tulane baseball for Dayton's basketball team, you know, just the, that, that juju, that magic, it's just not the same. It's not there. You can have the exact same players, the same coaching staff. Everyone's in there, you know, working their usual position, but it's just, it's not, it's not there anymore. Um, and I'm with you. That was, that was rough. You know, just once everyone has a point where they knew that it was going to be serious and, you know, that this was something serious, that this wasn't, you know, something to take lightly. And, um, I think that, you know, canceling the, the, you know, the NCAA basketball tournaments for me was the, you know, oh shit. (laughs) I I think that, that fucked me up. And then I think also, and and, and I know you're not an LSU fan, but it was something that robbed LSU basketball, even though I know you're not a fan of Will Wade, Mm -hmm. but it's something that, that robbed LSU basketball of history because Will Wade would have been the first coach in LSU history to take his team to three straight NCAA, I mean, three straight postseasons in his first three years, which never happened at, mm-hmm. at, at LSU basketball, in LSU basketball history. That just shows you how shitty LSU basketball history has been. You know, over, since in my lifetime, it's been pretty good, but overall, LSU basketball been pretty bad uh, mm-hmm. except uh, uh, well everything from you know the Dale Brown years to now it's been okay but overall it's been historically bad and he would have been the first coach to do it but I think now seeing the things that we got back 
last year, you know, I was able to hang out with you and, and Jesse and I, I can't think of the and uh Sola Nola last year mm-hmm. uh, at the training game. And I'm like, think about what we what you know being vaccinated did in terms of getting us back together. You know, this is why you get vaccinated. You get vaccinated because you, you because you want to get back to the things that we that you love. Um, 2020 was the first year I didn't go to a 45 shop for opening day, which is what we're going to be talking about in a second. Um, it was the first time I had not gone to opening day. The la- the only uh, the, the first time because every year I always went to um, I always went to opening day at 45 shop. I always would get my work done early in the morning by one or two o'clock. I'm at, uh, I'm at, um, at 45 shop seeing Debbie and did not do that in 2020. Even though we did have a baseball season, it didn't feel right. You know, 2020 mm-hmm. opening day did not feel right in 2020. It really didn't. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just some, like, it's kind of hard to, to envision that 2020, they were playing, op- opening day was in an empty Bush Stadium. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard to see. Yeah, and, and Yadier Molina got his 2,000 hit in an empty Bush Stadium. See, yeah, it's it's milestones like that that, you know, your players or coaches are robbed of, you know, getting, you know, hearing, you know, the roar of a crowd or, you know, getting the recognition they deserve. Um, You know, briefly to go back to, you know, college baseball, if I can, um, you know, I, like you've said, and you know, I'm not an LSU fan, but Paul Maneri, former coach at LSU, one of his daughters or his daughter is a dear friend of mine. And, um, I have nothing but respect for her dad, you know, in his story, in his long career. Um, and I know fans were in the crowd last year, but, and he retired, you know, to see his family more. My friend had a baby, you know, be able to be a papa. Um, but I just feel like, you know, he was kind of robbed of, you know, having a final season, you know, in these kind of extraordinary circumstances, you know, um, it's one of those one of those rare occasions. I'll, I wish it could have been, you know, different for 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 LSU. You know that they could have he could have gotten the send off that he, I think, rightfully deserved. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, and 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 I think at the end, Marinari, you know, people were just talking about fire coach Paul, fire coach Marinari. At the end, I was like, you know, we nearly made it to Omaha in his final season. And I think, you know, when you think about, like, for example, with Coach K, you know, LSU, I think five years, we're five years removed from going to Omaha. We knew, we played for a championship in 2017 against Florida. And, you know, I, I think that the program, I think he knew it was starting to slip. The program was starting to slip. And he didn't want to be there long enough to where it just, got to a point where it was terminal. And when he announced his retirement, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm grateful for him. He won the he won the national championship. 
and he got to he got to sweep to the um to Omaha, but I just think that the game just passed him by because when you look at it, it used to be LSU was like the big dog in the SEC, but now you got Georgia, you got Arkansas, you got Vanderbilt, you got Florida, uh, you got uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You got seven or eight teams always battling for a chance to go to Omaha. And I think when you get to this level, when you get to this level, uh, when you get to this point in your life where you know that you can't influence people like you did, you know, 10, 15 years ago, then you sit back and you're like, hey, look, I'm going to have to walk away. But most importantly, he has something to look forward to, spending time with his grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing, few, something, nothing's, or a few things are worse, you know, in sports than someone staying around for, you know, even a season to longer than they should have, uh, you know, because that, that can, you know, just tarnish your, you know, lovability level or tarnish your reputation, you know, pretty quickly. <laughs> Right. So now we shift over to uh, opening day and you and I are both Cardinal fans mm -hmm. and tomorrow the waterworks are going to be flowing. And I thought about this today. I mean, you're younger than I am. So, you, so, you know, I think you were, what, how old were you when Albert made his start you, when he first got into the league? I think maybe when you were like 10 years old or 11, you were like, because he started in 2001 yeah I was I was 12 years old then okay so you were 12 years old so you're a few years you know I was in high school when he started uh when he started his career so I feel like for people born I would say 1991 back on from 1991 to uh from I say 1991 to 1996, those kids that came up from 1990, that were born in 1991 and 19, from 1991 to 1996, or even 2000, yeah, 1991, 1996, or even 2000, like that, that 10 year gap, they grew up with Albert Pujols. And they, you know, to them, to him, to them, he was their first, you know, they grew up with an icon that was in the you know that was a homegrown talent whereas our generation you know when when I became a Cardinal fan in 1991 um Ozzie Smith was in the downturn of his career mm -hmm. and he had already left um the Bush family after the old man Bush died they didn't seem to care that much about baseball uh they didn't really seem to care that much about winning uh, Joe Torrey was the manager of the Cardinals. Uh, the big moment I remember from my childhood was Mark Whitten hitting four home runs against the Reds. And Bernard Gilkey was there. Ray Lankford was there. Was, was there. And it really wasn't like there was a lot of things to look forward to. I mean, yes, you had Ozzie Smith, but around him, you really didn't have that much to write about. I mean, there was Tom Pagnazzi, who was a really good catcher. Uh, and I consider him maybe the third, maybe the fifth or sixth best catcher in, in Cardinal history. And um, I feel like we grew up with Albert Pujols. 
the same way that our parents grew up with uh, Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and Willie McGee and Ozzy Smith. But I feel like our generation, I think we grew up with Albert Pujols because, you know, when he started, uh, when he started, I was in high school. I had just started high school when he started uh, with the Cardinals. You were and uh, you know, 12 years old when he started. And I feel like our lives, basically, we basically grew up with him over the last 20, 21 years. And in and, and the same way with Wayno and Yachty, it's like, I can't imagine a battery, a battery like Wayno and, and, and Yachty. I don't, that's all I've known for the last 15 or 16 years. I remember Wayno's first start in Memphis back in 2005, they were playing the Round Rock Red, uh, the Round Rock Express, and I remember Albert Pujols playing in Memphis. So it's like this is tomorrow is going to be very emotional. This is the mm-hmm. first um, time that there won't be a Shannon or a Buck calling games for the Cardinals, which is something that. You know, that is also in the back of my mind. Mike Shannon will be there, but it, it's going to be a lot of emotion. It's going to be a lot of emotions tomorrow at Bush. Absolutely. Um, I'm getting chills just like, you know, talking about this. You know, it's, it's tomorrow's a big day, um, you know, and can't stop thinking, you know, the, the what everyone's calling, you know, the farewell tour for, Yachty and Wayno that this is their last, you know, this is going to be, you know, this is probably going to be it this season. I mean, so it's, it's a lot to, you know, it, it feels like, you know, again, this season, you know, starting tomorrow feels like, you know, the first season in a long time, you know, in a long time in three years, you know, that's felt normal, you know, under normal circumstances. So this, this feels big and huge. And I think a lot of it does have to do with Pujols coming back, you know, 10 years later, you know, 12 years later. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good day tomorrow. I'm excited. Right. Right. Uh, what would you say would be your favorite Albert Pujols moment? Cause I know mine's is the three home runs on the Easter Sunday, 2006 against the Reds. And then they're, Back-to-back days, beating the Cubs in 2011. He owned the Cubs. He always loved owning the Cubs. I was going to say, I mean, honestly, any time that Pujols was there and they beat the Cubs, that's a good day. That's a great day in my book. (laughs) Um, It's hard to pick. The ones you listed off were pretty good. You know, those those are definitely up there. I don't know if I can pick just one, Um, you know, yeah, I have to, you know, be, I'll ask you this, you know, being from Memphis, you know, is there a bigger Cardinals presence? Like, is that, you know, kind of the city, you know, I guess with the minor league team also, is that, is that the city, you know, does Memphis kind of cheer for the Cardinals as well? I think, I think most people, they root for the Cardinals. I think it's, it's mainly Cardinals and Braves. I think that's what you get with, with the Cardinals. I mean, with the city of Memphis, but you know, Cardinal Cardinal Nation and um, the way that it was 
as a kid, we always got Cardinal games on the radio. We didn't get them on TV. Um, they didn't start televising Cardinal games on a regular basis until maybe 2004, 2005. We never got Cardinal games on TV. Like, mm. we like it was always the Braves, Cubs, White Sox, and then the game of the week. But then around like 2004, we started 2004, 2005. We started getting the Cardinals. We got the Red, even the Reds. The, the, the Reds used to, uh, they used to have games on on Fox Sports South in, in Memphis. We we would sometimes we would get the Braves, sometimes we would get the Cardinal, uh, the Cardinals, and sometimes we would get uh, the the Reds, uh, the Reds, and they used to have Turner South. Turner South used to pick up the Braves games on two thousand uh, in two thousand five because that um, that year was when David Eckstein hit the walk off grand slam. I was at the game. The ball barely got over the fence, barely mm-hmm. got over the field fence, and that place went wild. It that place went wild, and that was uh two thousand five. That game was televised. The Braves feed was televised on on Turner South, and um, for the most part, the reason why we had such a cardinal presence was because Tim McCarver is from Memphis. The stadium, there was a stadium named for him that I played at, Tim McCarver Stadium. It was at the fairground, um, and when I was a kid, I used to think, wait, Tim McCarver. And I thought the guy was dead. So one day I'm watching the Mets. The Mets, Aunt Manny will remember this. The Mets used to be carried, was uh, carried on on WWR, and you could get them on uh, super. They had a super station. WWR had a super station. So mm-hmm. one day I'm watching TV, and they were. It was the Mets against I think the Phillies. And they were playing at Shea Stadium. And lo and behold, lo and behold, I'm Ralph Connor. I knew I didn't know who Ralph Connor was. I was like, I didn't know he, I just knew of him as the, the broadcaster. And there was a guy named Tim McCarver. I'm like, wait, that's Tim McCarver? Because <laughs> I thought, you know, I never thought they named baseball stadiums after people who were still alive. But they did. And Tim McCarver, his name was on the stadium. And I think that was one of the reasons why the city had a a huge Cardinal presence. But for the most part, the people I knew growing up, they were mostly Brave fans. They weren't Cardinal fans. They were Brave fans. Um, uh, They were Braves fans. And, And I think it's the amazing thing about baseball. It's such a generational sport. You know, Jesse and I talked about this uh, on a podcast episode before, but I think, you know, our grandparents grew up watching Stan Usual. Stan, they, they watched Stan Usual in his prime. They watched Red Shindy in, in, their, in, in their primes. And, and then our parents watched, they grew up with Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Kurt Flood, Tim McCarver, Ken Boyer, and their primes. And then we grew up with Yadier Molina, 
and Adam Wainwright, and Albert Pujols, Jim Evans, Scott Rowland. Uh, we grew up with those guys in their prime. So I think that's the thing. It's a generational, it's a generational sport. And the kids coming up now, they get to see Nolan Arenado. They get to see Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, D- Dylan Carson, and Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill. They get to see them in their prime. So Cardinal baseball, I think, is in good hands. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's I always think about, you know, oh, would have been, you know, just to have seen some of these great players, you know, that I've, you know, would never get to see in my lifetime that are from like our parents' era. But that's the be- you know, beauty of this game is every generation there is, you know, a player of that caliber, you know, of a Hank Aaron or, you know, a Pujols, you know, Nolan, you know, there are these, there's a great player that comes every generation, you know, or several great players that, you know, for them to enjoy, that's for them. You know, we, we have our, we have the legends we grew up with, you know, they'll get theirs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, Camille, thank you so much for dropping by the podcast. Both the podcast will be up tomorrow morning for all podcast platforms. As always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road.